Hysteria is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She deserves the best. That's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. And right now, you can get 25% off your entire Books purchase. Here's why everyone likes the Books company. Books is different. Their flowers are cut fresh and sourced directly from the best flower farms, so they last way longer. They even have flowers grown on the side of a volcano, which I love. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. Books is simple. Go online, pick the delivery date, and you are done. Mother's Day is May 12th. Don't miss the chance to thank your mom. Order your books now. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, wife, aunt, and even grandma. Erin, I love my books. I love a flower that lasts forever, and my books arrangements really do last a full solid week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have uh, I have some sitting on my kitchen table right now, mm-hmm. and they've been there for several days. And usually when I buy them at, like, the grocery store, they're sort of, like, starting to crap Fade. out pretty quickly. Yep. Not with books. They stick around. They look beautiful. I like how they kind of slowly open up and become even more beautiful as they sit on your, you know, wherever Absolutely, you Absolutely, because they're that fresh. So go to books.com and use promo code hysteria for 25% off. That's B-O-U-Q-S.com, promo code hysteria. Books, promo code hysteria. Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. This week, I'm joined via the miracle of technology by Senator Maisie Hirono, Alyssa Mastromonaco, and Kieran Deal to ask the following questions. Will the Senate's $2 trillion COVID-19 aid package help the average American, or is there grifty fuckery afoot? How can we fight the pandemic if we aren't taking care of the people who are the front lines of fighting the pandemic? How are those quarantine creative masterpieces we all thought we'd work on going? And what classic movie is too good for even a hilariously bad Nicolas Cage performance to ruin? All this and more coming up right now. How are you pandemicking? Uh, my dog is having one of the greatest weeks of his life. He's gotten played with so much. People who have two girlfriends who didn't know about each other before the pandemic are probably having a tough week. Um, and meanwhile, the All Lives Matter crew decided this week that actually some lives don't matter. As some politicians suggested that the right path forward during the pandemic is to let people die on the altar of the stock market. Uh, The lieutenant governor of Texas actually suggested that some grandparents would be willing to die in order to save the economy for their grandkids. Really? Uh, Has he heard about the global shrug in response to climate change? Uh, Rand Paul went to the gym as he awaited his test results for COVID-19, which did turn out to be positive. Um, I was trying to come up with a villain of the week to showcase on our Fuck That Guy segment, but there were so many. It was like... We were playing Red Rover, Red Rover, and somebody said, Red Rover, Red Rover, send the worst person on the planet right over. And half of the Republican Party came over. So we're overwhelmed by dipshittery. But luckily, to talk more about what the government is and isn't doing about the pandemic, I'm going to call my friend, former White House Deputy Chief of Staff under President Obama and cake decorator to the stars, Alyssa Mastromonaco. Hey, Alyssa. Hey, Erin. This is a fun setup. I'm glad I get to see you. You too. I've gotten over my self-consciousness. I think you look great. 
I showered for you. Oh, I showered for you too. Yeah. I mean, it's, I feel like you shower more than I do. So it's more of a compliment <laughs> for me. I, you would be surprised. Um, okay. So <laughs> I want to, I want to just, I was thinking about this yesterday and um, I was just thinking like if it were 2017 and 2017 Aaron were sitting on her couch in New York City and all of a sudden 2020 Aaron, March 2020 Aaron appeared and was like, Aaron, I have some news from the future. You, It's 2020. It's March 2020. You live in Los Angeles. You're about to get married. You have a dog now. Uh, there's a global pandemic that has shut everything down and you really like Andrew Cuomo. I would be like, what the fuck? I really like Andrew Cuomo. That's yes. crazy. <laughs> Aaron, if you had told 2018, Alyssa, who was keynoting a Cynthia Nixon's election Eve rally that she would someday doing heart star emojis as it relates to Andrew Cuomo, she too would be confused. <laughs> yeah, it is a confusing and strange time. And I don't want to pretend like uh, I'm, I'm affording fandom to a politician because I think that is dangerous. But I do think credit where credit is due. New York's governor, Andrew Cuomo, has been a steadying leader during this time of national crisis. And New York is having a rough go of it. And I cannot imagine if they had anybody who was less capable of presenting uh, an honest and steady message. Alyssa, you're in New York. How do you feel about Governor Cuomo? I am in New York and it is pretty fucking scary here. I mean, the thing about it is at this point, and I don't know if it's just like the state of mind we're all in, but I was in the car yesterday when his press conference started and I pulled over to listen to it so I wouldn't miss anything. Because the truth is, if you live in New York, it's kind of like he's the only person who you can trust to give you the real information. Trump is saying that everything's fine. He's going to fucking reopen the country in two weeks. And Andrew Cuomo's Easter. Happy fucking Easter, the resurrection. He, Governor Cuomo, like the thing that I really appreciate about him is that everything, every one of his press conferences has a real arc, right? Mm -hmm. It starts out with an update, tells us where we are, where we're going, where we're still falling short, what we need to do better. And then there's usually some therapizing at the end, which is kind of cathartic. You know, I like when he tells me about how, you know, his daughter had to be quarantined and they had some of the best conversations of their life. And, you know, they they both apologize for things in the past. I mean, it's more information than I expected, but I appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like we're all on a slow motion plane crash where we actually have time to call our families and be like, hey, so, um, and that is a really bleak outlook, but, um, let's talk about president Trump, uh, who on Tuesday said that he hoped to have the country raring to go by Easter raring. and to have mm -hmm. churches full. You know, when I was a little Catholic growing up, um, and even into college when I was a, a medium sized Catholic singing in the liturgical choir. Um, my favorite Easter hymn was crown him with many crowns. And do you know what Corona means? Do tell crown. The word Corona is Spanish for crown. Wait, so, this is some biblical level shit. I know this is me standing in front of a, of a, of a cork board with various pins in them and strings connecting them. Um, I feel like, Easter is a celebration for Christians of God giving up his son in order to uh, 
in order to make amends on behalf of the sins that people have committed, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so at least if people flock to church in order to make up for the stock market, if they're going to sacrifice them for the stock market, <laughs> at least their coronavirus related deaths will be very ironic. That was a Cuomo level arc right there. Thank you. I've been alone <laughs> a lot, Alyssa. Uh, what do you think about President Trump's... Um, Uh, promise warning to open up the country by Easter. I mean, it's fucking stupid. Here's the thing. We have all, I mean, I'm speaking for many people. I think we've lost work. We're separated from everybody. And he just fucking gets on television yesterday and is like, you know what? It's not really that bad. And I'm an Oracle and I can see into the future and it's going to be fine. And the most fucking crazy thing about what he said was, he said he wanted, he was so specific. He said he wanted the churches packed, bursting at the seams. As if any one of us in April, May, June, next September is going to be anywhere voluntarily that's fucking packed. Because mm-hmm. again, the anti-science president doesn't understand that in many of these pandemics, they rear their head again in the fall. And like mm-hmm. what every health professional has been telling us is that we're going to have to be very specific and careful for a long time. You know, that doesn't mean Mm -hmm. quarantined, but it means fucking aware of where you are and what you're licking and coughing on. And he just, uh, I thought what was particularly transparent about yesterday is that there was no, he was not scheduled to do the Corona press conference, uh, the White House Corona press conference, but he agreed to do it like 15 minutes after the Dow closed. And I was like, this is just his way of being able to, it's his cover to be able to reference him taking credit for the rally. And because I'm an Oracle, that is exactly what happened. Mm. You are an Oracle or a news witch, Mm. as we sometimes say. We Um, are political news witches. Yes. Uh, One thing that I really, um, one thing that I noticed after all this happened was that local and state uh, government officials were sort of like, no, we're not doing that. We're not doing any of that. Uh, Mayor Garcetti here in Los Angeles was like, no, that's that's not going to happen. There's Mayor Mike DeWine in Ohio has also been sort of like, no, we're going to do it the way that we're going to do it. Um, but one thing that I thought was actually kind of funny yesterday was the mayor of San Francisco, London Breed. Uh, this is what she said in response. Why are we still listening to the president? That was her response. Why are we still listening to the president? And uh, the mayor of Oakland, Libby Schaaf, said that the president is, quote, his own state of emergency. Uh, Alyssa, (laughs) do you think that it's helpful for us to continue to watch the president do press conferences? Or do you think that we would all be better off if we started listening to people who know what they're talking about? Let's be clear. Watching the press conferences is 100% a form of emotional cutting. Like you watch it because you're afraid to not watch it. But at the end, you're like, I fucking should not have watched that. So I think the only thing that's worth gleaning is like the five minutes of where Anthony Fauci clearly moonwalks across whatever Trump just said to try to make it not as horrible. Mm -hmm. I saw some stuff online about him this week that made me laugh. It was somebody was saying, anybody else attracted to Dr. Fauci? (laughs) I think, I think right now, I mean, first of all, I'm, I can't, I'm not attracted to anything right now, except a big thing of hand soap. 
Um, but <laughs> there's something something to be said for the fact that like the federal government has expertise that is so like few and far between that hearing from him is refreshing. And when he's not at press conferences, people get scared. Like, do you think he's going to yeah. hang on for a while? I think that he may be the world's biggest patriot and is willing to endure a lot of fuckery uh, to make sure that he's still steering that uh, that organization because we need it so badly right now. But like, talk about just, I mean, I, if I were him, I'd be eating my feelings every night, but he still seems very trim. So I don't think he's doing that. <laughs> Speaking of fuckery, Texas and Ohio, <gasps> do you want to talk about that? I mean, fuckery. Aaron, what the fuck? They think we don't see them. They think we don't see them. Trying to say that as all hospitals and medical practices are trying to uh, postpone, postpone being the operative word here, um, non-essential medical procedures, right? Our friends in Texas and Ohio have tried to be like, abortions, non-essential. And I think, what is it, Erin? Only literally if the mother's about to die, can she get an abortion? I'm like covering my face with my hands. Oh, okay. First of all, like, wouldn't it be nice if we could all declare pregnancies that we were not ready to carry to term non-essential and just hit the pause button for a couple months? But the thing with abortion is the longer you wait, the more complicated, dangerous, and expensive it is. So like, I can't even wrap my head around the stupidity of the argument that I'm having to make in order to defend something that's very simple. It's like, ugh. honestly, I, I think that this is all a means to an end. And the end is just to try to, to coerce women to not have abortions by whatever means they with whatever means necessary. But I also feel like most of the men trying to make these laws couldn't find the clitoris with a flashlight and a map. No, no, they couldn't. Cause they're just, they're really old. And this is just like a crusade they've been fighting and they probably don't even know why they're still fighting it, but they decided years ago that this was going to be the case. And they're looking for all avenues possible to try and still execute an agenda that has no business being executed in the middle of a global pandemic where we're all just trying to stay alive. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, even though things are crazy right now, a lot of people are losing work. You and I have both lost some work. Um, yep. We know people who have lost work. Uh, I'm in the entertainment industry. Everything is just totally shut down, which we can, we're going to talk about later. Um, it, we still have people who are trying to exploit those tragedies and the times that we're not paying attention to take rights away. And it is, it is exhausting. But luckily we have, I think, some people who are still paying attention and fighting for us. Anyone we know in particular? I've got somebody in mind. Who are you thinking of? Okay. Her first name starts with an M. Mm-hmm. And, and her name sounds like it could be a derivative of amazing are we talking about Zero Fucks Hirono? Yes, we're talking about Hawaii Senator Maisie Zero Fucks Hirono, who did not consent to having that be her nickname, but we're doing it anyway. No. And we're mm -hmm. let's give her a let's give her a call right now and talk to her about the government's response to coronavirus and various fuckeries that she's trying to fight in Washington.
Hello. Hi. What a treat. Hello, Senator. <laughs> nice to talk to both of you. Yeah. Nice talking to you too. This is a real uh, feat of technology. I'm in California. Alyssa's in New York and the Senator is in DC. Uh-huh. So this is a, there you go. a triumph of isolation uh, and social distancing <laughs> right now. <laughs> okay. Senator, first of all, um, so happy to have you on today. Thank we you. know that you're really busy. Some of your colleagues were up very late on Tuesday night. For the last 72 hours or so, and of course prior, because uh, working on changing the McConnell bill so that it actually puts workers first, that was quite the feat, but we really stuck to it. And I'm, um, I'm grateful that to Schumer at all, they did what they needed to do. Yeah. Can you give us the skinny, like who does this help the most? Uh, will the money actually get to workers and people who need it? And how is this improved over McConnell's original proposal? The original proposal that did not have unemployment insurance that pretty much covers for a lot of people their full salary for four months. They just wanted it for three months and even getting to three months probably was a feat. And then they wanted this huge $500 billion, basically what we would call a slush fund that would be controlled by Mnuchin with very little transparency, hardly any reporting. We wouldn't even know who was getting this money. So basically, you know, we call it a slush fund. And so there are now oversight provisions and uh, we've created a new uh, inspector general to oversee as well as a, a, a panel of people to oversee. And then there's a provision that says uh, any members of Congress or um, the president, any of his people cannot get access to this money if uh, they are controlling the businesses, which in Trump's case, he does. So that's... Well, that's one. And I think the unemployment insurance is going to be really important because we don't expect this pandemic to end anytime soon. And, and people really need the income. They need, they need their paychecks. So this enables also small businesses to, even if they furlough their employees, that, that, that they can call them back to some tax credits to incentivize businesses to keep their employees, even if they furlough them. Um, there's a huge, what we call a Marshall plan for the healthcare people. Uh, that's the hospitals, uh, community health centers, uh, caregiving, uh, centers, et cetera. It's, uh, I think 150 billion that we increase that by 55 billion or so, because we know that with this pandemic, there's going to be a really huge, we would say crisis in terms of our healthcare system's ability to take care of all the people who are going to need hospitalization care. So uh, basically the, our, this bill, our effort was workers first, not corporations and a big Marshall plan for our healthcare system. Mm -hmm. Senator Hirono, you touched mm -hmm. on something that Aaron and I have been talking about and we're very concerned about. Trump and his family, not just President Trump, but his family cannot access this money in any way. That's right. We actually had to put in a provision and it better be airtight. But you get the, the, the uh, why we have to do this. If we had a president who didn't self-deal all the time, uh, he should be treated like any other entity, I suppose, or his company should. But 
Uh, we do not have such a president, so we have to put this in place. And while we're at it, let's just make sure that members of Congress are also prohibited from using this money for any entities they control, companies. So, you know, there, there was a lot of effort to, to focus what we call the McConnell bill that would have been, a, in our view, a huge slush fund bailout for industries, not saying that the airline industry and the travel industry, et cetera, they don't uh, need the support, but let's take care of the people first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agree. Yeah. One of the th- one of the things that has concerned me a lot and has concerned, I think, Alyssa and a lot of people that we know who work in healthcare is um, the healthcare system is really overburdened and the healthcare system yes. is made up of people who are themselves mm-hmm. going to be overburdened. Yes. Are there any measures being taken to help care for the people who are supposed to care for us? The money that goes to the healthcare system will enable them to get the personal uh, protective uh, equipment that they need, and um, you know we also shore up their ability to get childcare. We know that they are the first responders, and uh, they are being exposed. So there is a focus on enabling the hospitals and these organizations to take care of their own people. We probably are going to, as we go go forward, we're going to probably need to. Uh, revisit what's happening within our healthcare system because we know uh, from all of the the, the pro- professionals and the healthcare people, not the president, uh, that uh, this virus has not peaked in our country yet. So for the president to say, well, you know, everything should reopen by um, Easter, uh, he is living in his own world of denial, and that is not leadership which is why the governors have had to step forward. Let me just mention one more thing, though, that happens in a huge must-pass legislation like this. The Republicans uh, take every opportunity to stick in things like the Hyde Amendment uh, in various parts of this bill, and they're doing it again. As Patty Murray said, who has been at the total forefront in watching for this kind of uh, poison pill insertions, that she said even on the, the, the huge amounts that will go to states and counties, because they're the ones on the front line fighting this virus in their states, uh, the, the money that's going to go to them, they uh, tried to put in or they want to put in the Hyde Amendment. Uh, and another provision that has to do with uh, aviation and all the contractors mainly who, you know, like the catering companies, we wanted to protect those contractors too with mm-hmm. the kind of support that the airlines were going to get. And the Republicans said, we're never going to agree to the whole package. If uh, if you want to push this, we're, we want the Hyde Amendment in there. So they take every opportunity to continue to their battle uh, and their attacks on women's health. Mm-hmm. And I think that the American people, but particularly the women out there, should be totally incensed by these continuing efforts uh, for for them to control our bodies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this sort of political opportunism is a sort of thing, Alyssa, and I refer to as fuckery. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, fuckery. fuckery. fuckery I'd say that's being a good a word. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there is a little fuckery afoot. Yeah. Um, can you can you give our listeners, if they're not familiar, although most of them are, uh, a really quick and dirty summary of what the Hyde Amendment is and what it means that they're trying to insert that language well, that, into the bill? I mean, the Hyde Amendment is already in place and the uh, in federal legislation writ large. Um, and what it does is that it uh, disallows uh, any entity that gets federal money from from uh, providing abortion services. That's basically it. That's the bottom line. Uh, but with these kinds of insertions, they wanted to insert it in whole new programs, such as the relief for states and counties. 
You know, we don't just send a billion dollars to every state uh, all the time. So they want to insert it in any new programmatic money uh, like this. So the, really what it is, is it, it prevents uh, abortion services mm-hmm. to be provided by any entity that gets federal um, money. One question that Aaron and I both have as we look at sort of all the power that our representatives have right now, and then people who are, like you said before, self-dealing, how do we hold our representatives uh, like Senator Burr and Kelly, what's her name? How do we hold them <laughs> accountable? I won't even say her last name because she's ridiculous. Um, how do we hold them accountable as constituents? Oh, there's already a le- legislation, I think, that was passed in 2012 or somewhere in that, that time frame that disallows um, uh, use of insider information for our own benefits. So it remains to be seen whether uh, these uh, stock per- cells uh, would fit within that definition. But really, so much of the laws that we pass, you know, it requires all of us to set our boundaries as to uh, what constitutes one. I mean, bad enough if the whole thing is illegal, but what is a, a, the appearance of impropriety? And for a lot of us, uh, we are very concerned about the appearance. We don't need to be told that to go to the line of illegality to not do something. Mm-hmm. But obviously, that doesn't work for everybody. <laughs> so we're going to need to revisit those provisions. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like whenever I buy an iron and it says, don't iron clothes while you're wearing them. It's like, <laughs> somebody must have tried this. That's why uh-huh. the rule has to exist. <laughs> somebody, tried to, somebody tried to do this. Kind of crazy, yeah. <laughs> and by the way, we have a president who, um, I, I, when this whole challenge and the situation began to develop, I, I said the president should get out of the way because he is the source of a lot of misinformation uh, that is out there. And of course, he has this cadre of supporters, millions of them who will do what uh, he suggests, or, including that person who uh, drank that that whatever it was that he had and died. Uh, so these, the, you know, what the president says makes a difference. And when he started calling this the Chinese virus, I know that throughout the country we had all kinds of of, of stories of uh, uh, Asian people being attacked. There was a woman they're just minding her own business in the street corner in New York City who was spat upon, spat upon by a person who blamed her for this virus. And so this kind of thing is going on. He called it the Chinese virus. And uh, only recently did he say something along the lines that we, you know, it's not the, the fault of the Asian Americans and something like that. But in the beginning, he refused to take any responsibility for that kind of language. But he uses that kind of language all the time and takes no responsibility for the, for that kind of language and telling people, go ahead, you, you, you can go ahead and, and be, uh, just behave in this kind of way. Mm-hmm. It's very dangerous. Yeah. Possible. Senator Hirono, I would just love to know if you think that we can all at least get a little peace knowing that Governor Cuomo is haunting Trump in his dreams like the ghost of Christmas past. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, all of the governors should be haunting, regardless <laughs> of whether they're Republicans or Democrats, because since the president has not invoked and, and used all of the tools within the federal government to help the states with distribution, with acquisition, they're having to Uh, fight each other, which is really crazy. And so uh, one of the things I hope will happen is that since the governors have had to step up, um, and if we wait around for all the test kits that were promised, a million test kits, uh, 
almost a month ago. Uh, you know, we're, we're living in the kind of denial that the president is living in. Um, I hope the governors will come together in a regional way and try to figure out a way to coordinate their asks. And uh, um, I know that there are bills that I'm signing on to that will prevent price gouging and, and all of those kinds of things. But a crisis like this brings out the worst in people, but it also brings out the best. And it, it, there's a space for innovation, creativity, and, and just you know coming together. And that's what I'm calling for. No mm-hmm. thanks, by the way, to the president. Mm-hmm. If you end up having to self-isolate, um, or if you end up having to, out of an abundance of caution, be you know quarantined, what is going to be your go-to boredom fighting activity? <laughs> oh, well, I, um, there's always Netflix, <laughs> but I also think that uh, it's, it's whatever creative thing, a fun thing that we can do for myself. I make my own paper. I make cards. So I've been sending my homemade cards that I make. I make the paper as well as the, the oh. cards and so I do that. I've been doing that kind of thing for a while, but I'm stepping up my production of <laughs> cards. Each one takes like 20 minutes to do because I air dry them. And I also, uh, I think you can see behind me, mm-hmm. my part of my crane installation. Um, and it's something that visitors who come to see me, they fold cranes, they, they sign the wings of the cranes and data. And I've got thousands of cranes and I figured out the, uh, the, how to install them. And they're on my wall that I have thousands of them. And so uh, it's important, I would say, to do something creative uh, during this time. Of course, reading helps a lot and uh, all of that. But uh, I think reaching out to people in the way that I get to talk to you folks, we're going to figure out how to stay in touch. Because even if I go home, (laughs) I'm going to have to self-quarantine for 14 days per our governor's um, edict. Mm-hmm. which I think is based on the you know health and safety concerns of the people of Hawaii. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think that I'll be going home. I'll kind of be here, <laughs> but you know, that's, I'm not complaining because there are a lot of people who are really, really struggling to figure out how they're going to put food on the table and pay the rent and all of that. And those are the people that this bill uh, addresses in part, but we're probably going to need to do more. Mm-hmm. Well, Senator, thank you for all that you've, done and that all that you plan to do and please stay healthy and safe and thank you, you all again. too thank you for stopping by thank and you. chatting with us sure. thank you bye take Senator. care Aloha. mahalo mahalo to you too all right thank you senator hirono Alyssa, do you want to stick around you couldn't get rid of me if you tried i'm not gonna try i promise i won't it's- i will never try because <laughs> i'd find you <laughs> Such a good reference. Okay. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, Alyssa's going to be here and we're going to be joined by one more person to talk a little bit more about the pandemic and uh, also not the pandemic because there's other stuff going on. Stick around. This episode is brought to you by IQ Bar. Power up your life with superior brain and body nutrition products from IQ Bar. Their plant protein bars are the perfect low-carb breakfast. Their IQ Mix zero-sugar hydration drinks replenish electrolytes, 
And their IQ Joe mushroom coffees will keep you focused all day long. Start each day right with IQ Bar's brain and body boosting bars, hydration mixes, and mushroom coffees. Their ultimate sampler pack includes all three. IQ Bar empowers doers with superior brain and body nutrition. All their products are entirely free from gluten, dairy, soy, GMOs, and artificial sweeteners. And today, Hysteria listeners get an exclusive offer of 20% off plus free shipping. Just text HYSTERIA to 64000. One thing I love about IQ Bar is, first of all, right now it's really dry where I am. Oh, okay. It is hard for me to stay hydrated. I just like, I'll just be going through my day and I'll be like, why am I so like... Parched. I'm parched. I'm in a bad mood. I feel like I'm going to pass out. And it's, ah, you got to drink some water. You got to stay hydrated. I really like their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks because it allows me to rehydrate myself at a time when I feel like the atmosphere is trying to take all my moisture away. Well, and sometimes you need more than just water. Sometimes you need more more than just water. I also love IQ bars because I love a portable breakfast. I love a grab-and-go breakfast. No dishes. Love something I can walk around holding and eating. I like something I can eat in my car without endangering the lives of me and every other motorist on the road. A breakfast burrito. (laughs) Not, Not the safest thing to eat behind the wheel. IQ bar, go ahead and do it. Good for you. Great ingredients. Helps you stay focused and alert throughout the day. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and you don't have to dirty any dishes. Refuel smarter with IQ Bar's Ultimate Sampler Pack. That's seven IQ Bars, four IQ Mix sticks, and four IQ Joe sticks. And now our special podcast listeners get 20% off all IQ Bar products plus get free shipping. To get your 20% off, just text Hysteria to 64000. Get your discount. Text Hysteria to 64000. That's H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A to 64000. Message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. All right. We're back. I'm still at the desk in my office at my house. <laughs> so is, uh, and the other people that are joining me are also in their respective houses because here we practice social distancing, lest the invisible bugs uh, consume us. Right? Is that what we're saying? Okay. Anyway, um, yeah. let me welcome the two women who are joining me for this part of the conversation. First of all, you just heard her talking, and I told you that you would continue to hear her talking, Alyssa Mastermonico. I'm here. Um, and second, joining me from her apartment is uh, Kieran Deal. Hello. Hello. And America's sweetheart, Alyssa Mastromonaco, lest we forget. America's Thank soulmate. You. America's Thank you. Soulmate. soulmate. Sweetheart. Got it. I'll take got it. it. Got it. Sandra Bullock is America's sweetheart. Uh, no. Lizzo is America's Allegedly. sweetheart. Allegedly. Lizzo yes, is America's Lizzo. sweetheart. Lizzo. Lizzo. It's Lizzo. Okay. Kieran, um, I was just talking to Alyssa, so I'm going to talk to you first. Mm. How are you doing? I'm okay. I mean, I think uh, I think this is probably not the best for most people, you know, Um yeah. Well, I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious how you guys are doing. It's, I've been surprised that I'm like more, I'm more frustrated with people on the internet than I thought I was going to be. And I think it's been like a kind of interesting time for friendships and seeing where people land, you know, in terms of this, 
I, I, yeah, I think it's like, I think it's really, to me, the thing it's really highlighted is privilege. And like, I've just noticed a big divide in where my friends land on policy and how much they preach to each other based on privilege is what I would say. And that's been like kind of surprising and disappointing to me. Mm-hmm. You mean privilege, like there are people who feel like they're entitled to act in ways that everybody else can't act? I would say like what I've noticed is my neighborhood is like a mostly like, it's just a rundown area. So it's like when restrictions have gotten worse, it's like with, um, you can't eat at a restaurant and then it's like, you can't go to parks. I think that disproportionately, if like, especially the parks thing, I think it disproportionately affects you depending on where you live. Right. Yeah. And the, and the quality of the home that you have. And like, like I've been thinking a lot about people in New York who are apartments pressed up against each other. Yeah. In small spaces. I've also been thinking about people who live in big apartment buildings out here in Los Angeles or people who live in places that aren't, you know, where the outside space isn't necessarily lush and beautiful. I think that's a really good point. And, you know, seeing all the celebrities like absolutely losing their shit, being locked in their mansions has not been a very sympathetic look for me. Uh, I, I've, it's kind of made my opinion of some people go down. Like, like you were saying, Kieran. It's Madonna's fried fish song is actually like literally haunted my dream. Like it's literally haunted my dream last night. It was like still in my mind. It was still, it was like in my, it was, it was literally in my dreams. I woke up this morning and I was like fried fish, you know, terrible. <laughs> But like, which part was the most disturbing that she's probably got like a 30,000 square foot house and she decided to do her like karaoke in the bathroom? Was it her fixation with the fried fish? Like, what was it exactly? I couldn't believe how bad her voice was and that like, and how, and how uncoordinated she was. Like she turns and then she kind of stumbles. And I was like, why didn't you record this again? This isn't live. Like, why don't you just do it one more time? And then I was really surprised that she, I was just really surprised with how off key she was. Like just for, she's a, she's an international pop icon. I was genuinely shocked that like, you know, she wouldn't make it on the voice. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. so that was also pretty shocking to me. Maybe she wasn't trying. I don't know. Madonna doesn't have to do that. She doesn't need to make that video. And like, I think it doesn't even occur to some people making their quarantine videos, like they're having a really hard time in their giant mansions. Like it doesn't even occur to them how much harder some people have it. Um, Alyssa, are you doing okay with the being shut in thing? I know you're in a rural area, so you do have some outside space to walk around and feel free in. Yes. So I'm very lucky. We do. We came up here um, to Columbia County where we do have a lot of space. But like you do start realizing, you know, you married the right person when it's like day 10 and you're still enjoying each other's company and going for your five o'clock instead of the cocktail walk or walk at five, cocktail at six, whatever. But no, I mean, it's like it's okay up here, but you see, you know, the struggle, like, it's not like being in the city and that we have our own space, but all of my neighbors have lost their jobs. Uh, I've lost most of my work. All the streets, um, are like just empty as they should be. People up here are taking it really seriously. But at the same time, you just see like all these small businesses on Warren street, which is the main street that are just like with these notes that are like, we're gone. We don't know if we're coming back, like, you know, be back when we can. And I think that like the problem with a lot of these 
celebrities. And I've like, I've really tried to spend a lot less time on Instagram, which is actually my favorite social media platform, but people have just been so appallingly dim, um, in like how they're using it that I've had to, I've had to like personally mute the app for a little bit. Mm-hmm. When you say dim, what do you, what do you mean, Alyssa? Like, is it dim? Cause I know one thing that's been frustrating to me is like, I've like, I live alone. I live totally alone. So there's no one else in the house. Right. So it's like, I find it really like, I find it really preachy when somebody's like, you shouldn't see anyone. You shouldn't go and like, you shouldn't leave your house at all. It's like, do you know how bad that is for depression? Do you, does, are we aware of how bad that is right. for mental health? It's not like you're living with a partner or you're living with somebody else or you're eating meals with somebody, you know? And I think that's a very different, like you can be socially distancing and also be responsible and be washing your hands and also see some people. And that feels fine to me. And I can't believe the number of people who are like, you shouldn't see anyone or the number of the number of my friends living in wealthier neighborhoods who are like, I won't see anyone. Do you know what I mean? At all. I'm just like, that's like I will literally, I would go, I would go insane. I would actually go That's insane. Inhu- it's inhumane to expect that of people. I think, and also the, I think the preachiness is something I've noticed a lot too. Out here in Los Angeles, we live really close to a place called Elysian Park, which is big and has a lot of hiking trails and there's enough space that you can be there. And a lot of people can be there and you can be very far apart from each other, you know, like, uh, and I've seen a lot of preachiness about people not even going on hikes for exercise. Like what I, I, I can't not take the dog on a walk. I can't not. Well, you can't, go to the right. you can't do that anymore. As of Sunday, you're not allowed to do that anymore. Right. Well, we can walk to, I mean, we'll walk on city streets yeah, yeah. You know, with the dog. We'll walk like to the lawn and like let the dog run around. And there's nobody within like 50 feet of us. And it's like, I think that a lot of the preachiness came because of what's happening in New York and because people for so long were being so radically irresponsible that it's like, and especially they weren't just being irresponsible generally, they were specifically being irresponsible because the curve is not flattening. It's going up at like a 90 degree angle. And so they've done all of these extraordinary things in New York and people were still like, literally on top of each other at Central Park and crowding all these other parks. And so I think that like the, I do think that there was some uh, preaching required here in New York. I mean, but I think Um, it it brings into relief the fact that the way that people live in New York is fucking inhumane. I lived there for, for seven years and it was like, always tiny apartments, so many people in one space, a shared bathroom, a shower in the kitchen. You know, it was like all this stuff. It's like a really expensive city that a lot of people want to live in. And there's not enough. Well, there is enough space, but uh, they haven't regulated billionaires out of buying like condo investment properties enough that people can actually use this space. And so to rob people of spaces outside of their homes, like you basically need to lock people down. Otherwise, they're going to be like, uh, no, I'm going to leave this like hole of an apartment because I didn't come to New York to stay inside. Unfortunately, that really really fosters a uh, an environment where disease can spread really easily. And I wanted to to uh, quickly pivot to something that's been weighing on me a lot. Um, I have a lot of friends, uh, a group of friends from college, uh, and a couple of them have siblings who are doctors and nurses. One of them has a sibling who is an, uh, an OBGYN in New York City. And the situation in New York for doctors 
and nurses and home health workers and nurses aides is bleak. Like they do not have enough personal protective equipment. They have been asked to work extra. They've been basically compelled to work extra shifts. They're not safe at their jobs. They're reusing masks. Like I'm so worried right now that we are taking for granted the labor of our first line of defense in this pandemic. Like social distancing is to make it easier on hospital staffs, right? So like it is possible to responsibly see people while being socially distant, but the kind of ignoring of social distancing that you mentioned, Alyssa, is making it harder on these people. And another thing that's making it hard on these people is like the government's totally inept response to ensuring their safety. Um, And I was like, why are we as a country so like abusive and shitty and entitled to nurses? And I was thinking, is it because uh, it's a job that's very feminized? And maybe this is me being too college professory, but I feel like the entitlement that people are having toward the labor of nurses right now is like just this kind of like gross sexism that is making me really, really nervous about what happens when they all get too sick or exhausted to keep doing their jobs. Yeah. I mean, this is... So like, I have a lot of feelings about this because one, yes, it's true. Two, I think that I've listened to actually a lot of nurses on NPR and CNN in in the car um, who are coming out of retirement, right? And they're coming out of retirement because they feel the sense of duty. And I think that that's the thing that's sort of like the through line in so many of these stories are all of these women feel this responsibility. They see these sick people, they can't walk away. And so I think that that's part of exactly what's being taken for granted, that like, it's fine. We don't have to worry about their equipment yet because we know that they're not going to leave. And um, I think it's pretty, it's pretty fucked up. It's pretty fucked up. I wonder if it's less insidious than that, like that it's less insidious because that's someone's job, you know what I mean? And if it's more about like the frustration of like, how much trust do you feel in government in general? You know, like Mm -hmm. I think one thing I've noticed is like in the neighborhoods that are wealthier around me, Los Feliz, Silver Lake, I've noticed that people are much more compliant to the rules. They do what they're told. They're like only at grocery stores in my neighborhood, like people are out, you know, like, and I think it has something to do with like, if you feel like the government has worked for you, if you feel like it's been there for you now, when it's asking something of you, you might be more likely to be like, oh, I hear you. That makes sense. And even if it's a collective action that makes sense for all of us, I do understand the feeling of like, you know what? Fuck you. When have you been there for me? When has this government supported me? I do think that's a feeling in a lot of minority communities. I think it's something like I see when somebody's having a party outside of their house. It's like, I have so little and now you're taking even this away from me. That, I think that anger about like based on class lines is something that I'm not hearing anywhere, like discussed anywhere in in the conversation. I think it's because people, those people don't have access to platforms, you know, I think that's where a lot of the, and then, and then of course, like when you look at something like Florida, I'm from South Florida, when you look at people coming in and spring breakers and them not giving a fuck, there's a contingent of our population that just like doesn't give a fuck at all, um, which I think is different. So it's maybe there's like a third that's taking it not seriously at all, a third that's taking it massively seriously. And then there's like a median in the middle. I don't know what the numbers are. 
But then do you also think that there's a population of people who listened to our fucking president when he was calling it a hoax and that it was a democratic hoax and like now they think it's a hoax. Like they just, they don't think it's actually that serious because that's what the fucking president actually said out of his mouth. Yeah. I mean, but a virus doesn't need you to believe in it to work. It's not like uh, meditation. A virus is a virus and it doesn't really care who you are and people are going to get sick regardless. Like the thing that, that, I, I I see what you're saying, Kieran, about people not really wanting to be like, I'm going to make huge sacrifices for somebody who doesn't do dick for me. That that I can see how that might cause people to bristle a little bit. Uh, the thing that I'm complaining about uh, or that I'm extremely worried about is entitlement on a massive countrywide scale to uh, the exhaustion, the labor, the mental health, the time away from their families of nurses, healthcare workers, doctors, like they are our first responders and it is their job. That's part of why some of them, it's part of why they signed up because they, they want to help. So I'm not saying like, congratulations for doing your job, but I do think like, I was thinking about like at the beginning of NFL games, how they always are like, here's a firefighter and a policeman. Like mm, next I see time what sports happens again, next time sports happens again, there better be a fucking nurse all the nurses better stand up and everybody better applaud them because like what they're doing right now is heroic and uh, what they're getting in return is fucking egregious. I'm like infuriated at what is happening to people in, in New York, in Seattle, in San Jose, in New Orleans. It's fucking infuriating. And and I don't know how to deal with how mad I am right now. Well, and here's a sort of... I don't even know how to describe it, but when we send people into harm's way, firefighters have protective equipment, soldiers go to hot zones and they have whatever sort of protective equipment is required to successfully complete the mission, right? And if you want to use that as an example, let's call it wartime. And this president keeps talking about he's a wartime president. Well, part of being a wartime president would be arming the doctors and nurses and medical personnel with the shit that they need, which by the way, isn't like a tank. It's some fucking masks and ventilators and some, you know, shields, protective equipment and some like coats and gowns. And I think that what makes me so mad is that so many of us are getting fucking fleeced right now. If you're in New York, if you're in California, if you're in Illinois or Washington state, because all of our governors are literally going to the black market, which is like a despicable auction of like 10 cent masks that are going for $7 and 50 cents. And like no fairy is paying that money. Our taxpayer money is paying that when if the president had actually just properly uh, initiated the defense production authorization, we would be paying cost. Like they'd be, he would, the government would be the macro overseer in charge of producing this shit. We wouldn't be at the will of private companies. And like our states would have the protection and supplies that they need. And right now it's just, it's so fucking, it's, it's like catastrophically stupid. Max Brooks Mm. was on NPR. Um, and a friend of mine was explaining to me because I didn't really understand how the defense production act was supposed to work, but he was saying that the way, when you're describing the macro idea, Alyssa, he was saying that it's, it's the kind of thing where, you know, if a company is going to step in and be like, okay, I'm not making like, 
if there's a company in Ohio that would be the ones who would be producing more gloves out of out of latex, but let's say there's a shortage of latex. It's like the government under the Defense Production Act could be the ones to go to a, a company that's making condoms in Arizona and being like, that latex is now going to go to gloves. So it's really like the yes. the, the, yeah. the reason that it- Rip like, for her pleasure, but surgical gloves. The reason that it matters for like, <laughs> I, I thought that was interesting and something I didn't understand was that it was like with the, the idea of the macro, the Defense Production Act being a macro thing as opposed to like nationalizing business is that you can coordinate between businesses, which is something that Tesla or Haynes are not going to be able to do individually. It's like people can maybe call up and say, we'll help, but they're not going to be able to say, my internet connection is unstable, guys, like my personality. And <laughs> the well, the other thing that is misunderstood and not explained properly because the president's trying to dodge all of this is that say you have GM, and GM is willing to make ventilators. Well, GM needs to train a workforce. They need to get new equipment. They need to start a production line. So they're not going to do all that without some startup capital from the government and without orders for exactly how many they're going to be producing. Because mm. think of how also catastrophic it would be if you're a company and you're like, I'll fucking do this. You get all revved up and ready to go. And then you find out that like there are actually no orders for you to fulfill because all the other governors have been buying that shit on the black market. Mm, so man. it's really, there are so many reasons why he should be very responsibly managing this. And he isn't that like real help's not going to come. And that's mm -hmm. also like, but there are people who have based their entire careers on how to orchestrate and organize, you know, production under an act like this specifically for a particular disaster like this. What's the situation with testing? I think that's my other big question is like, what is the situation with mass testing? Because everyone's home right now and the economy is stopped because we don't know who has it. Um, and so we can't quarantine effectively, which is why essentially every, you know, whatever it is, a fifth of Americans are on lockdown. What is the, what is the, um, what are the circumstances surrounding that now? It changes by the day. So by the time people hear this, it'll probably be different. My understanding is that right now we missed our chance to rely on testing. And right now there are places that are just not doing anything like uh, Mississippi basically is not doing anything. Uh, and they're right next to places that are trying to do something like Alabama Um and basically the places that aren't doing anything are making it so the places that are trying to do something are going to have to do the most draconian thing in order to accomplish anything. Um, so it just, it, it, I feel like testing is just something that in California, it's just like maybe in the future we'll be able to test for antibodies. So we'll be able to tell who has already had it, but we don't know how long our like immunity to the disease lasts. Like there's so much we don't know about the disease that my understanding is that our window to rely on testing has passed and the type of testing that we will need um, in order to determine whether or not we're immune is not here yet. That's, that's my, I mean, I'm not a scientist, but I just have no, been I obsessively reading. No, I think that's pretty reading. accurate. Yeah. So it just sucks. I mean, I want to talk a little bit about, I mean, first of all, we have people who are being overworked. Uh, we have nurses, doctors, healthcare workers. Uh, we have people who work in uh, public health, super overworked right now. The rest of us stuck at home. And I would say maybe underworked. And there are some industries that have totally come to a stop. So 
one thing that um, Caroline, our producer, and I were talking about uh, is that a lot of people are talking about, oh, here's all the shows I'm binging. You know, here's a movie mm. that I'm going to watch. Uh, here's all this stuff that's going to, you know, I, I can't wait to consume all this Hollywood content. But meanwhile, Hollywood is totally at a standstill. So Kieran, you work as an actor in the industry and you were doing auditions. And I want to know what that has looked like for you. I just think if production shut down, production is one of those things that you can't like production or stand up. let's say. It's like I tour for stand-up. It's like, those are two things you just can't do. If produ- production, you cannot, like I have friends who work at production companies where they're like executives or whatever. And they're like, oh, we can kind of still keep working. We can kind of still do stuff. But there's a point at which it's like, if you're going to make the show, you're going to have to do that in a room with people and with kind of a lot mm-hmm. of people. Like the, the, the number of people at max is going to be like 12, but a professional production of like those crews are 50, 60, 70 people, like minimum. And like the bigger ones are two, three, four, 500 people. So it's like you, there's, there's literally no way to go into production if you can't uh, have people in a room together. So like, so have you lost work? Have you lost, uh, have, have like uh, auditions been shut down? What does this mean for like pilot season? Pilots, I think, I don't think anything is, I I think, so I think the official word on that, but this could change is that with pilots, so networks usually have a season that's like a pilot season. And then you would go out for a role. Like, so for instance, like Sunnyside, you go out for a role like Sunnyside, they make a pilot around March. And then by May, networks will decide which shows they're taking. So I think that process is largely going to be shut down this year. And they'll pick, a, they'll they'll cherry pick a number of uh, series that will just go straight to series based on, I guess, whatever, which is the way streamers do it. So maybe the business model for networks will change after this particular year. You know, maybe they won't do a pilot season anymore. I think the, the, there's, there's kind of an irony where it's like an act, like an actor's life specifically, or, you know, a comedian's life. It's like, there's such a high degree of instability anyway. Like, do you have, do you have a job? Like auditioning for a job is not having a job, right? It's like, you're still, but now it's like, you're not even interviewing for a job, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I was also thinking a lot about like, when we think about entertainment, it's not just people who are on camera. It's not just people who are on, you know, on TV, working on productions or working on movies or shows or whatever. It's also people who work, uh, musicians, people who work music festivals, Mm -hmm. comedians who perform at music festivals. Um, We have a friend who owns uh, a lighting and sound company. They can't, like literally nothing, nothing to do. Wedding planners, event planners, uh, everybody who has anything to do publicly is sort of not working right now. And any business that is dependent on those businesses is also sort of out of work, like food service, small businesses, restaurants, like the coffee shop, Mm -hmm. a local coffee shop next to me. It's like insurance isn't covering it for small businesses. They're calling it. Somebody told me that he said that, um, it doesn't fall under national natural disaster, which is what they were paying for. It falls under communicable disease, which sounds like something that was just made up recently, like that nobody had covered. Like so, so no small business is getting help. I think. I think the biggest. I mean, I understand a lot of Americans are really frustrated because it's kind of like it feels a little bit like you are on your own. We'll see how that stimulus helps people out and how much it helps people out. But my cousins in England were saying even under Boris Johnson's government, up to 80 percent of wages are guaranteed for for every individual. So I don't know the truth of that. I don't know if that goes down to 
like how unemployed you were, what, you know, what the nuance of that particular argument is, but it seems like the protections for people are a little better than like, oh, well, hope you have something in your savings account, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, and that, that brings up something that I wanted to talk to talk about with you, Alyssa, like you and I've talked about Medicare for all a lot. And, Mm. um, I was just thinking, you know, is, is this going to be something that makes people actually face the fact that Medicare for all is one of the only possible ways forward with our medical system? I can't, you know, the problem is I think the people who were for it are still for it. And the people who don't need it, the people who could pay, I mean, like, let's just rewind a couple weeks ago when some of these tests were actually available. If I were sick, and I thought I had the COVID two or three weeks ago, I could go to an ER, I'd be charged for the ER visit. The tests at that time were $1,600 each, not covered by insurance. That was one of the first actions that Cuomo took that was so helpful is that he said, fuck this, it's all gonna be covered by, like, we're paying for it all, that's fine. But a guy who actually turned out to be fucking positive went into the ER, $125 visit, and they and because COVID is hard to test, you have to do the test twice. So he walked out with a $4,000 bill. How is that even fucking possibly reasonable? No one touched him. There were no procedures. They stuck a swab up his nose. And to me, I just can't comprehend, and especially the way we are right now, people, the thing that would be so good about sort of the same healthcare for everybody is that you would be able to get a message from the government that said, here are all the places you can get tested. And right now I have a friend who 99% has the virus, 99% her daughter has it too. She has asthma. She and I were on the internet for like seven hours and couldn't figure out how either of them could get a test. It's, Mm -hmm. it's extraordinary. And I think that that's not been the problem in all these other places. Look how they were testing in South Korea. I mean, like Aaron was saying, we missed the window. Like most experts are saying, if we could have been aggressively testing three weeks ago, that we would have had a much better sense of all the asymptomatic carriers that were out there. And these quarantines would have been much more effective, but you know, our own government was like, thanks, but no thanks to buying the tests that they were offered by the World Health Organization. Like, what the fuck? So yes, Aaron, that's my very long, long answer to the fact that I, I do think that more people will be eyes wide open to how impactful and meaningful uh, Medicare for all could be for, you know, the plurality of the citizens of this country. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine that after all this, people will be like, I love my insurance company if they like have to spend totally. 45 minutes on the phone arguing over whether or not a COVID test is covered. It's like, but do you think people think that insurance works now? I don't know anyone who's yeah, happy there with are, their- There are people. Really? We're isolated. We're in a bubble here. Like there are people who are like, I like my insurance. And without kind of understanding that what insurance is, is a middleman designed to profit off of the fact that you need healthcare that provides no care to you. Like there are tons of people who say they like their insurance and they don't understand that it'd be like way cheaper if there wasn't a big fatty layer of insurance between you and care. I'm to, supposed to, to I'm need, supposed to have pretty good insurance and it's like a, still a massive nightmare. It's like a massive nightmare to get anything done. So I'm, I, I yeah. was, that's surprising to me. I don't, I've never personally heard a human being be like, my insurance is, my insurance is killer. It's great. These people are crushing the game. 
No, I got to tell you something. When I worked in public service in the government all those years, my healthcare was fucking epic. And I had no idea at the time that people existed in another world, right? Until now, when we are on the New York exchange, we have our healthcare through the state. And um, I had to have a procedure done and they denied my anesthesia. Right. I was like, how is that possible? And they're like, yeah, like, I'm like, you think I should have, I'm on the phone with the insurance company. And I'm like, so I should have done that like awake. And they're like, we're just not able to, you know, approve it at this time. Like, what the fuck is that? And that's like, I mean, Somebody it was expensive. paid to tell you no. They get paid to tell you that you don't. Right. It's like, well, why? It's it's ridiculous. I want to pivot away from policy really quick because the more I think about the government response and what that is doing to people, the angrier I get. I oscillate between rage and despair. And uh, like the other night, Josh and I were playing video games and I turned to him and I said, are we dead? <laughs> is this <laughs> is this like a Jacob's Ladder situation? So I'm doing great, guys. Um, but I did want to talk a little bit about um, how uh, there was some kind of before everybody went into quarantine, there was some like noise being made about like, you know what? When Shakespeare was in quarantine, he did this. When <laughs> Isaac Newton was in quarantine, he did this. Have either of you been able to get anything done? I I can't even watch TV. Like, I'm just so preoccupied and everything feels like a bit frivolous. I did say weeks ago that I was going to teach myself how to decorate a cake. I did do that. My sister had a very nice 40th birthday party from a very, very safe distance away. But no, it's, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to finish that book proposal. No, I haven't even been able to watch Netflix shows because I'm just like, should I be watching MSNBC instead? Because I have no idea what's going on outside my front door. So no, I am not creating any, any opuses. <laughs> uh, I've, I've been trying, but it's been, but it's been a challenge. I would say, I think like, I think one of the things about like living, I think living alone has been, I'm pretty good. I can not see people for like maybe 70 to 80% of a day, 85% of a day, but I'm used to being able to go out to a show or being used to like seeing friends for dinner or whatever that is. So it's like without that, without some sort of like a release valve, that's proved to be just, but just challenging, just challenging from a, I think a mental health perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I haven't, I've gotten nothing done. Like nothing. nothing. I, it's hard for me to even, I love reading and I have been reading a lot, but I was like, you know, in uh, that Twilight Zone episode where the guy is like, I can't wait for everyone to be gone so I can just read all the time. And then his glasses break, you know, <laughs> and it's like, oh, no, actually, he can't read and he's alone for eternity with this pile of books. That's kind of how I felt. I've I, you know, there's this new book uh, that I just started, uh, The City We Became by N.K. Jemison. She's the one who wrote the Broken Earth series. She's like a futurist writer. She's incredible. I was so excited for this book to come out. I just got it in the mail yesterday and I started reading it and it's about like a post-apocalyptic New York. And I was like, huh, I don't know if I can do it. Like, <laughs> no. like it's, it books are hard for me. I mean, and, and I, I realize that I'm in a position where uh, I'm in a position of relative privilege compared to people who are either sick with this, have a loved one who's sick with this, um, are actually working with this and in danger because of it. But the anxiety that I feel is really not allowing me to be productive at all. And it's, um, it's really uh, dismaying. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know what to do about it. I want to talk really quickly 
about how you feel about what is going to happen on the other side of this. Do you think that we'll be a better country because of it? Do you think we'll learn any lessons or do you think we're just going to go back to the same stupid shit we've always been doing? I think that as a country, I don't know if this makes sense. I think communities will be much stronger. I think like the country on the whole will be the same. Do you know what I mean? Like here where I am, like when the neighbors go to the one market that's got toe marks on the floor and is very hardcore social distancing when they're going and it's like 45 minutes away, they're like, what can we bring everybody? We'll leave it at the foot of your driveway. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's, I think that everyone here and like uh, someone else I'm close with up here, he had to shut his whole business down. He had to lay off all of his employees. He used all of his savings to pay them so that they could have healthcare through May. And it's like, we know that. And so we're just like, fuck, you know, maybe we're going to bring them over like a hot dish, you know? So I just feel like up here, I don't know if it's the same in the city, but up here in the middle of nowhere, I feel like we are really like checking in on each other and making sure people are okay and you know, and unfortunately I have a bird's eye view of everybody. So when they start coming down the street on their walk, I run all the way to the foot of the driveway and make them have a very socially distanced conversation with me. (laughs) But Kieran, to your point, I had been alone by myself for two days and I saw them walking and I just literally, I had my pajama bottoms and an apron on. Who the fuck am I? And I just ran down the driveway so that someone would talk to me for a couple of minutes. Wait, were you wearing like a bra under, like just the apron? I mean... No, I'm not some sex kitten, obviously. <laughs> I had on a very I love old the way that that's t-shirts. where Ryan's mind goes immediately. She's like, wait, so you're in <laughs> just know. an apron cooking this sheet cake? Tell me more. No. <laughs> Paint the picture, Paint the picture. Uh, no, I'm just picturing everybody at home wearing like long robes with a fur, like little trim on the bottom and on the end of the sleeves, like Sunset Boulevard style, like drinking whiskey. And when anybody comes into the room being like, leave me alone. You're not better than me. And like throwing the bottle. I saw Kirstie. You were all Suzanne Sugarbaker. Kirstie yes. Alley's yeah. Twitter account had like people used to wear house dresses. It's like their good dresses were like wool, I think wool and silk. And then the house dresses were cotton, but they're so pretty. Oh my goodness. There was a gift. So <laughs> wow. pretty. She looked so, the woman in her house dress, she just looked so pretty. I was like, I want to, I want seven house dresses, but they'd be stained pretty quickly. I have a house coat. Covered in <laughs> mustard. <Yeah. laughs> I have inside clothes. I've always been a proponent of inside clothes and outside clothes. Like, of course, you don't sit on your couch wearing jeans. It's your couch. Like you wear sweatpants, you know, it's like, anyway. uh, So I'm, I'm, this is, I, I easily transitioned into the inside clothes and outside clothes thing. I'm wearing sweatpants right now that I got for free on an airplane three years ago. So, wow. There you go free airplane sweats. Karen, well done. You, you would love them. Yeah, I know. I was going to um, say, sounds like me. <laughs> oh, hey guys, news breaking as we're recording this right now. Caroline messaged me that Prince Charles has tested positive for COVID-19. But I feel like the only people who test positive for COVID-19 are people who are already rich celebrities. Like it's like, of course they're, of course they test positive because they're the only ones who get fucking tests. You know, it's like everyone COVID-19 else. COVID-19 test is like a, uh, it's like a Coachella VIP pass. Yeah. Or I said, it's like a Met Ball gala ticket. That was my, like, I was like, <laughs> it's like really, it's so exclusive that only the very, very rich and the very, very famous even have access to the test. So like, of course, only celebrities are going to test with it because 
no one else gets a test. You guys, I was going to so age myself because my first visual was like, wow, that's like getting a table at Bungalow 8. (laughs) (laughs) It's wild. Oh, man. Okay, guys, we have to take a quick break. But when we come back, Sanity Corner and a brand new way for Hysteria listeners to have your voices heard on the show. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. This episode of Hysteria is brought to you by Nordstrom Rack, the only good store. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not a huge shopper uh, because I don't really... There's no hunt to it. You know, it doesn't really feel like I'm discovering anything. I go in and it's sort of like shooting fish in a barrel. I love Nordstrom Rack because it's like you can find surprise great products and brands that you love for a lot cheaper than you normally would pay for them. So it feels like a little bit of a a hunt with a uh, treasure at the end of it. But here's the great thing about Nordstrom Rack. It is also online, which is perfect for these times of uh, listlessness. For a limited time, you can take an additional 20% off your order if you go to nordstromrack.com slash crooked. New styles are added every day, so you can always find something new. I love Nordstrom and I love Nordstrom Rack even more because it's like Nordstrom, but cheaper. And uh, you can shop online. That's nordstromrack.com slash crooked for an additional 20% off your order. Nordstromrack.com slash crooked. Okay, guys, before we get to Sanity Corner, a couple of announcements. First... Um, Crooked has a coronavirus fund. All of us are feeling the impact of the coronavirus pandemic, but there's some people in communities who are more vulnerable and need extra support. So if you have the ability to, you can help those who need it most, plus groups working to meet this moment head on through Crooked's coronavirus relief fund. And you can find that at crooked.com slash coronavirus. That's crooked.com slash coronavirus. And we're back. We're at the part of the show where we take a moment to talk about the ways that we are staying sane in a time that is truly doing its best to rob us of our sanity. This is Sanity Corner. But first, I want to introduce a new segment that we're going to do next week. Um, so here's here's how this came about. So I have this group of girlfriends from college. I'm sure all of you guys have a group of girlfriends from college. And we have this giant ass text chain that since um, isolation has been really blowing up because everybody's at home and has time to text all the time. Now, a lot of my friends from college have kids and a lot of their kids, they're, they're at home with their kids for the first time during the school day, like in a long time. And their kids are getting a little squirrely. And uh, every single day, you know, we'll be we'll be texting and oh, we'll be, we'll be texting and my, one of my friends will be like, oh, sorry, one second. Uh, one of my kids like peed on the other kid's homework. And it's always just like, child shenanigans. And, um, I'm not a parent, but I uh, have a lot of friends who are parents. And so in honor of the fact that a lot of parents are stuck at home with their kids and kids are 
weird and exhausting. We're starting something called the parental vent line. It's for parents who need just 30 seconds to vent about your weird ass kids. So if your kids are acting particularly wacky or like cabin fevery, strange or terrifyingly stoic, we want to hear it. You can just record a 30 second voice memo on your phone and you can email it to hysteria at cricket.com. And next week we're going to play some of our favorites. Um, and, uh, if your kids are weird enough, we might just call you to chat about it because we're bored too. So parental vent line voice memo to hysteria com. Let's see what happens with that. Should be fun. Okay. Let's get to sanity corner. Uh, Alyssa, do you want to go first? Sure. So on my, um, my march of craftiness, I started by learning how to decorate a cake um, because I need things that just take my mind away where I have to be focused on very small things. Um, then I started drying flowers and that's going pretty well. And so this week I'm starting knitting. Oh, have you yeah. ever knit before? We'll see how. No, no, no. I got the starter kit at Joanne Fabric. Nice. What are you going to make first? A scarf probably, right? No, I think I'm going to make a little blanket for Midge, the cat, because she's so small. I'll feel very accomplished and I won't have had to do a lot. <sighs> okay. Knitting is a good thing. Couldn't you have just given the cat just the ball of yarn, right? <laughs> well, that will that will also be involved, Kieran. That's also part of it. It's It'll be a whole Instagram story. Just watch out for it. Okay. <laughs> Oh, Kieran, always with the practical but less fun solution. <laughs> Just trying to save time. Trying to save time so you have more time to stare at a wall. What's your uh, sanity uh, sustaining behavior? I've been watching a lot of old movies, um, like just old movies that I haven't seen. I saw Moonstruck, which is, I think, <gasps> uh, for free on Amazon Prime right now. And it's fantastic. It's great. It's very funny. It's very charming. Nicolas Cage is actively, actively terrible. Like he's so bad. His acting <laughs> is so bad. There's like, he's got this weird hand. He's very melodramatic. Cher is like phenomenal. I think she won an Oscar for it. Olympia Dukakis is in it. She's fantastic. It's like a warm, sweet, charming, uplifting movie where like everyone's amazing. And Nicolas Cage is so bad that I paused the television <laughs> and like rewound it to see if the performance was different, even though it can't be different because- it's the same movie. You can't, you can't change it out. It's like literally what you just watched. So yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I haven't seen that movie in a long time, but it's so good. And Nicolas Cage's character is just like, I feel like his motivation is like, like the director was like, okay, you're too horny to live. Go. <laughs> I feel like he was in his own movie. I feel like he was in his own scene. I was like, are you even looking at what anyone else around you is doing? Like, are you even, are you even paying attention to the other human beings? Or no? And he's like, I'm not because I'm Nicolas Cage. My hand. I am. My hand. I am. And I was like, I'm 100% watching this tonight Incredible. without question. I have not been able to watch anything, but I am genuinely, I am amped. And you look this. at Cher's reaction to Nicolas Cage. She's like, literally, you can see on her face. She's like, what the fuck are you doing? What is this? <laughs> and then she's, but that's also her character's reaction. It's really well written and charming and it's a delight. It's a, it's a delight. And there's a lot of old movies like that that are, that are really uh, like kind of delightful films that I haven't had a chance to watch. And a lot of them are free right now. Mm -hmm. So, or like with your, like included in your subscription to, you know, where you don't mm -hmm. have to pay extra. That is a great tip. There's so many old movies that I just haven't 
gotten like passed me by. And then it was like, but there's too much new content I need to consume. And I just never watch them. And that's like, that's a great, that's a great tip. Um, my sanity corner this week is I'm not great at staying in touch normally, but I've been making a ton of effort to like reach out to people and talk to people. Alyssa, I've been talking to you quite a bit. I've been talking to my family quite a bit. And, uh, my group of friends from college, I feel like we're closer to each other's daily lives than we've ever really been since college. And so that's kind of a cool way to stay sane. Also, like there are some people, like I, t- I talked to my brother for a long time yesterday and it felt nice to just sort of like vent, you know, it feels good to just, if you're frustrated or you're angry or you're worried or anything negative, you can just kind of vent it. And it feels better to feel it with somebody else than it does to just feel it by yourself. So I think reaching out to people that maybe you, oh, I've also been keeping in touch with, with Akila Hughes. We FaceTimed the other day. Um, Oh, it's like a, it's just a good way to just be like, oh, hey, you know what? Great way to keep in touch with people who I think are great and who I don't normally make an effort to reach out to all the time. So that's my sanity corner. All right. So uh, Kieran and Alyssa, thank you so much for stopping by today. Thank you to Senator Maisie Hirono for FaceTiming with us, which was crazy. And thanks to all of you for listening. Please stay healthy, stay safe and stay sane. And there will be more hysteria for you next week. Hysteria is a product of Crooked Media. Caroline Reston is our producer. Our editor is Sarah Barrett, and Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. Thank you to Juliet Beckstrand for production support and to our digital team, Elijah Cohn and Nadina Malconian for filming and editing our video content every week. Get, get me some.